Oh, oh man. It's it, it's the rubber soul edition of the Overnightscape Central. And I found me this the 8-Bit Beatles doing the Rubber Soul album, which is just, uh, I don't know, it's legitimate. Uh, and I can play it and not fear of enormous takedown. And, and it's amusing. And here we are again on the Overnightscape Central talking about Beatles albums still. And as you guessed, it's the Rubber Soul album. And with us, with commentary, we are joined by Shambles Constant. And as well, we will be hearing from Rob from the Haunch Stevenson show who he warned us he babbled a little more this time which I don't blame him for there's a lot to talk about with this album and of course Frank Edward Nora is in the house and for me Rubber Soul this version of Rubber Soul that is the British version and it's the same with Revolver they are just so different they are structured different they're just completely different creatures and uh yeah this is going to be interesting uh i'm gonna just ride this along with you i got me this gigantic triple that's right triple in each one of these patties is one third of a pound triple cheeseburger with bacon and lots of pickles and onions and uh let's Let's hear what everybody has to say, because I'm I'm very curious. But we are moving into the uh, second phase of their career, so to speak, where they're no longer really a boy band. Shambles? Ah, yeah. We're starting to get into the more experimental stuff now, as the Beatles were getting kind of tired of their their manufactured image um you know and they were like uh they 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 were uh experimenting in the studio not with not just with their music and lyrics but also with uh, some marijuana um i don't think they were although i don't think they were high when they actually uh recorded the songs but um maybe some of the composing of the songs um there might have been some ganja going on going ganja going onja and um they had given up on the the concert scene because they were tired of being up on stage and not being able to be heard over the uh the you know the the screaming crowds and everything it was you know where it was not about the music at all it was just about the uh, the 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 beatlemania and the, you know um screaming fans and you know fans passing out and there's uh, you know they were they were getting away from that whole thing um they were getting out of that uh, that routine and um you know branching out um creatively and uh this was kind of a creative explosion um at at this point i mean even through like like help um you know the songs were more uh in, in a in a specific genre, you know, sort of stretching the boundaries of that genre a little bit, but they're now they're breaking out. They're they're discovering uh, Indian instruments and uh, you know the sitar and um, you know other 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 instruments, and they're you know they're 
they're exploring. Um, it, this is an exploration, rubber soles and exploration. So, um, and that exploration starts off with um, drive my car. Um, it, it, you know, I mean, there, there's some similarity to, to, you know, some of their, their earlier music, but it, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's branching out on its own and it's a great way to start an album. Um, yeah, I, I really like, I really like drive my car a lot. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, I mean, obviously a great road song, <laughs> you know, um, you know, you like, you hear it and you automatically want to, want to go on a road trip, just hearing it, you know, um, I, you know, I, I really, I really like drive my car. This in general is a very guitar oriented album. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the guitar licks on this, you know, um, are, pretty much pretty much top notch um among uh beatles songs and you know the girl saying that you know baby you can drive my car and maybe i love you <laughs> um you know which i read on here doody doody do um yeah i got no car and it's breaking my heart but i found a driver and it's a start um, Paul McCartney says, drive my car was an old blues euphemism for sex. Uh, this expression was more common in the pre-automatic shift era of automobiles. It's another one of those songs that uh, Paul was writing and he was having trouble with the lyrics and the, the lyrics weren't coming out so good. Uh, it's like, you know, much like, uh, I saw her standing there when it was like, she was just 17, never been a beauty queen <laughs> or, you know, scrambled eggs instead of yesterday. And John came in there and was like, here's what you do. And he, um, you know, John helped him, uh, rewrite some of the songs and, or some of the lyrics and that, that, uh, kind of turned the song around. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great start to this album. Um, Norwegian Wood, Norwegian Wood has got the sitar on it. Um, George is experimenting with the sitar. Norwegian Wood, parentheses, this bird has flown. <laughs> This one, this one tells a story. It's kind of a, a a a ballad, like a folk ballad with Indian instrumentation. Um, you know, it's, uh, I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me? There's there's some clever wordplay in there. Um, you know, she showed me her room. Isn't it good, Norwegian wood? And you know, I I love the the twist of like, uh, you know. Well, he, he woke up and he's alone and you know so he lit a fire and and you can take it multiple ways you can take it as just like lighting a fire like literally lighting a fire uh like in a fireplace or you can take it as maybe he was pissed off to the point of um setting fire to the the house of norwegian wood you know um the house that norwegian wood um, is set in or in which it is set and <laughs> so there's i don't know it's, there's a really there's a really nice feel to that to that song and i like it you won't see me um i i like the song but it it's always kind of bothered me a little bit the uh you know the that 
a higher vocal on it that your lines engage like it feels a little bit a little much like I, i'm not sure if the song really earns it you know i mean you would think that that you know going from from lower to that higher so abruptly you know it, it doesn't feel like what the song is about you know lends itself to to putting that much um you know because because changing changing your your pitch upward like that it's supposed to be kind of a some sort of like um emotional tone emotional change or along those lines and i just i don't know if the song but i do like the melody a lot um do 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 and I will lose my mind if you won't see me. Seems like almost like it should be called If You Won't See Me. Like, that should be the title instead of You Won't See Me. Like, uh, you know, the title, it's like a foregone conclusion that you're not you're not going to see me. You, you won't see me. But the song is saying, this is what's going to happen. If you won't see me, I, I'm going to lose my mind. You know? Your lines engaged. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's a little much to me, you know. Um, Nowhere, man. Um, I, I can really relate to the, uh, the 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 ideas behind Nowhere, man. And it's, you know, on the surface, you might think it's it's kind of negative. You know, he's a real Nowhere man living in his Nowhere land making all his nowhere plans for nobody but that but then the singer is telling this poor guy you know the world is at your command like you 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 know the, like the world is your oyster <laughs> like like it doesn't have to be like this you, you can you know you you can strive for for better things um you, you don't have to to be nowhere like you can you can be somewhere you can find yourself kind of it's kind of got that idea to it and, it, and it's i don't know it's a very uplifting song to me um despite what you would think nowhere man you know you would think that that's nowhere man can you see me at all like are you are you you know are you seeing other people are you are you seeing your friends are you are you seeing you know um where that's coming from and it's you know so i i do i i really do like that that's one of my favorite ones um on the album definitely um think for yourself is a george song it's to me it's kind of like george um expanding and you know working on his his songwriting um you know trying to get back and it's it's kind of a a transitional song um you know it's it's pretty good it's not you know it's not great in and of itself i mean um his other one on this album is is much better but um you know i, I also kind of like though the where it's coming from uh, you know think for yourself because i won't be there like like you need to do it on your own it's interesting that nowhere man and think for yourself are back to back on this like nowhere man is like you know i want you to see your you know your your possibility like i want to i want you to see your potential and think for yourself is like but but you can't you can't you have to do it yourself in a way i mean there's only so much somebody else can do for you 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 you're gonna have to think for yourself you're gonna have to do this um for yourself because you know i won't be there 
like you know i'm not always going to be there so you know that's something that you know you you can change you you know only you can change you and but um but i really like the backing vocals on that one too to say about the good life you da, 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 da. <laughs> you know it, and it that's that's kind of got a little bit of an infectious um tune to me i, I just you know I, I i do really like that um the word okay we are now getting into love songs are not just you know love me do you know i love you or uh, you know it's like I want to hold your hand or it's not just romantic love. Love is a more, um, complicated emotion than that. Um, you know, in something like the word or, you know, eventually all you need is love, you know, the, the word, you know, say the word, um, that particular song, the word, um, is quoted on a fire sign theater album. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a surprising, because, you know, it's it's not one of their more well-known songs, The Word, you know? I mean, you know, it's it's one of the... The Word and Wait are, are the two on here that I don't... Like, when I think of the album, I have to really struggle to, th- you know, to think of, of what those songs sound like, you know, just by looking at the at the titles. But, um, but you know, on this Fire Sign album, I think it's their first album, the Fire Sign Theater... And uh, there's like this uh, hippie guru kind of a guy, and he's like, you know, it's like, do you love me? And they're like, yes, Ray Dow. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's like, now, all right, you freaks, <laughs> say the word and you'll be free. Say the word and be like me. Say the word I'm thinking of. Have you heard the word is? And then everyone's like, love, love. <laughs> But you know, but but uh, but that's a pretty good song. I mean, it's it's a good, um, you know. Like I say, it's not one of those you necessarily think about right off. You know, when you think of Rubber Soul, um, like I, I wouldn't put it in a playlist like on its own or anything. But you know, it, it's you know, it's got a nice vibe to it. Um, so it's it's not bad. Um, Michelle is gorgeous. Uh, it's just gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous song. Um, personal anecdote. Uh, my friend Tony's wife is named Michelle. And um, I, you know, back like in the 90s, uh, um, when I was really listening to Beatles stuff like crazy, and, and Tony liked some of their stuff too. And, you know, we, we, um, we got together and like bought the like Beatles anthology to you know, we went to like one of those midnight, late night, you know, store opens at midnight and you, you're the first one there to, to, to buy this new album. And, you know, it was, it was so, you know, I had been playing them different stuff that the Beatles had done. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, Tony, you know, there's a song called Michelle, um, of the Beatles. She's like, really? So I went and played it for him. And at first he seemed to kind of get into it a little bit, but then, um, he got stuck on the. He, I think he thought it was. It sounded sappy, and uh, you know, like he sort of made fun of it. He's like, "Michelle, my bell. These are words that go together well." <laughs> I 
And I couldn't help but laugh the way he said it. You know, it was just funny to me. But there's more to that song than that. Um, I, I really like the, the French um, the French lyric. I mean, you know, these are words that go together well. Um, sounds kind of... I mean, it does sound silly and sappy. But then when, when McCartney sings the French version of that same line... You know, French, I mean, the French language makes everything sound more um, elegant and elaborate and whatever and, you know, um, like poetic. Um, so it doesn't sound like, like, you know, it's like, so like ensemble. And, you know, so I, I do like that one and I, and I really like that. You know, it just feels, I don't know, it's its very peaceful. It's, its you know, it's a peaceful song. And, uh, you know, I, I read about this song earlier today, and um, I was kind of surprised to find that the, uh, the, the middle eight, or the bridge, where he sings, I love you, I love you, I love you, was suggested by John. That, that doesn't seem like the kind of sentiment, like, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that, that John would suggest to put in a song. It, it sounds like something that Paul would put in there, and then John would make fun of him, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, like 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 I was saying um, earlier with, with Drive My Car, like, he, like he'd put a, you know, the thing about diamond rings, and it's like, you've already said diamond rings, so he cut out that line. You know, but it seems like something that John would make fun of. Um, and then do on his own, you know, <laughs> a different context. But yeah, he suggested the I love you, I love you, I love you, um, which, you know, it, it, was, it was kind of inspired from um, some other song. And uh, so it, it uh, you know, I really do like that one. And it's a great end to the first side of, of the album. Um, what goes on, that is our... Uh, you know, obligatory uh, Ringo Starr vocal. Um, you know, and and uh, I mean, it, it, it's a pretty good tune. Uh, it's funny how it comes out. It's, like, yeah, it's a pretty good tune. You know, I'm like, hey, they're getting all experimental, and then I'm like, eh. <laughs> but um, you know, that was written by Lennon McCartney and Starkey, <laughs> Ringo Starr. Um, you know, and, and and it's a really nice. I mean, it's got. You know, a little bit of a, a, a country western feel to it, um, that kind of thing that that uh, Ringo liked. Um, you know, where he had he had done that similar style with Act Naturally, and then he would later do, you know, with other songs, some of his solo stuff and whatnot. But um, you know, I really like where he's like, "Tell me why," and then you hear John, you know, and it's really faint. You have to really struggle to listen to. He's like. Or to hear it, and he's like, "We already told you why." Because like a reference to the song, "Tell Me Why" from A Hard Day's Night. Like we already told you why. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's got a good. The song's got a good structure to it, um, and uh, it's pretty good. Um, girl, girl is one that I've always found. You know, it's it's another great song. It's there's something almost creepy about it and, and I'm not I'm not sure exactly what I mean by that you know maybe it's like 
the uh, you know the smoking pot song, but no, there's just there's there's a feel to it that's that's almost creepy to me in a way. I I don't know um, if that was intentional. Um, I I like the 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 line at the start where he's saying, "Is there any, is there anybody going to listen to my story?" It's a very interesting way to say that sentence. You know, you would think somebody would just say, is anybody going to listen to my story? Or it's like, is there anybody going to listen to, you know, it's like one of those where you're, you're you know, when you're, you're trying to communicate something that is on your mind and too many words spill out of your mouth, it's, it kind of strikes me as like that. And of course it's got the tit, 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 tit. <laughs> I know I tend, I, I point out the, uh. Innuendos, innuendo, innuendos on uh, on these songs, um, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. There's something weird about that one. Uh, let me hang on a second. Now, apparently, the uh, the writers of the song, <laughs> um, you know, Lennon and McCartney had kind of a um, bit of a, a, a disagreement. Um, maybe not a direct one, but they, they've said contradictory things about the writing of the lines. Um, was she told when she was young that pain must lead to pleasure and that a man must break his back to earn his day of leisure? Um, Paul said he contributed those lines. Um, then John, in a, in a Rolling Stone interview, said that he wrote those songs or those lines um, as a comment on Christianity, which he was opposed to at the time. He said, I was just talking about Christianity and that a thing like you have to be tortured to attain heaven, be tortured and then it'll be all right, which seems to be a bit true, but not in their concept of it. But I didn't believe in that, that you have to be tortured to attain anything. It just so happens that you were. So that's that's another one of those. Um, there were a few Beatles songs where Lennon and McCartney disagreed publicly um, in interviews as to who wrote what usually they were they were pretty you know it was like well john wrote that paul wrote that but you know there was there was some discrepancy i, I want to say maybe getting better might have been another one of the ones that they that they argued about um i'm not sure on that next song is i'm looking through you which is definitely one of the quirkiest Beatles songs in their uh in their catalog um it's one of those songs that it almost shouldn't work, but it kind of does. Um, you know, why did you, why did you not treat me right? Love has a nasty habit of disappearing overnight. Um, that's a fun turn of phrase there. And, uh, but the, the, uh, you know, I mean, it, it starts off with, <laughs> you know, it's just very, it's like bouncy and, quirky and 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 kind of weird um you know especially when it's like i'm looking through you you're not the same and then it's like bam, 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 bam. <laughs> i <laughs> i don't have a lot to say about the song except that i remember one week in in like i bought the cd of rubber soul um like my first semester of college um, at Illinois State, and that song got stuck in my head, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, and like I associate it with like some of the people that like the people that I remember that were 
in my um, my Spanish class, you know, uh, um, this dude, I think his name was Chris, um, you know, the, the professor's name was um, uh, Jennifer Hills, I think was her name, I want to say. Um, Oh, that's that's kind of weird. It's it's funny how music can trigger your memories like that, and you, you have to really start. There was a girl named Katie, Katie with a Y. I remember that, and uh, you know, I didn't get to know a lot of the students very well um, that I went to college with, but uh, you know, especially at that particular time, but because I didn't live on campus. Um, tangent sidebar. Sorry about that, <laughs> but. You know, it's like I'm looking through you. You're not. You're not the same as I thought you were. You. You are really not. And you know, that's another one that's interesting to to like it backs. You know, girl is just before I'm looking through you because girl. I. You know, I guess I also think of college when I think of of the song girl. Now that I think about it, you know, and it, and it seems like something that uh, you know as you're getting into college and you're kind of expanding your mind and different experiences and stuff like that and it's something that you're you're contemplating you know what who is this girl what's she's you know um pain would lead to pleasure you know you're you're getting into the the philosophy and, and stuff and and i'm looking through you is just like you know i, I don't know yeah i gotta say I think the Beatles, at this point, they knew they were moving out of their boy band thing. They were looking at a future career. And I think the Dylan, and I think they were trying to do some sort of new style of country western music on some of these songs. I mean, that that's really the feel that I get as we, uh, yeah. The 8-Bit Beatles, you gotta love them. Oh yes, I love I love the Eight Bit Beatles. Now that I discovered them about an hour ago, um, yeah. Uh, what goes on? Also, I mean, yeah, it's a Ringo song, which makes most people. It's just a Ringo song, but uh, that that's a great little country song. Um, Drive my car. Uh, these are all great songs. And again, this is not. You know, I grew up listening to the original Capital American. I, I am sure Rob is going to have some uh, something to say about this album. Like these songs, they're from like Beatles six and singles and other places. Yesterday and today again. Uh, it, it's it's really, but somehow I like this album. It's just, the sequence is just so strange. Oh my God, wait. You don't look different, but you have changed. And the, you know, that could be a, like a college thing too. Like, uh, you know, you, you run into people that, that you, you went to high school with, you know, and I mean, any probably anybody that that has gone to college knows that, and even people that haven't gone to college but like just graduated high school, you know, went about their own way, and people kind of, um, you know, move apart either, you know, literally like physically or just like, 
emotionally you're going through new things, you're going to different experiences, and it's like you, you don't look different, but you've you've changed. Is it a good change? I don't know. I'm looking through you, but like saying I'm looking through you makes it sound like the person is hiding something. It could be the person is trying to reinvent themselves. You know, it's like they're trying to to evolve and be someone different from what people knew them as in, in, in high school. So, you know, it's interesting that I'm, I'm bringing college into this where that's, you know, when I, I listen to this a lot, I mean, you know, it was much later after it had been released, like that semester would have been fall of 94, you know, this, this album was released like in 66. So, it, but you know, it's, it's, kind of acquired nostalgia in a way <laughs> but um it, you know it's like these associations that i made when i was first listening to the cd and the, you know there'll be more of this um when we talk about the, the later beatle albums definitely um i mean a lot of personal associations with some of these songs um including in my life which oh my god that's a gorgeous song i mean it's um i think that's got to be my favorite one on this on this album in my life and you know it, it's it's kind of surprising in a way that it's not more widely renowned um you know i like it better than i like like yesterday or some of the other maybe it's because like you know i, I think I, I mentioned last week was like yesterday is one that you're supposed to love you know like that's like uh you know it's been very frequently covered and you know like that it's like in, in my life kind of sneaks in there you know it kind of sneaks in there and it's like there are places i remember all my life you know and it's like the the people it's like, you know some are dead and some are living you know and it's and it it doesn't have to say anything specific about any of those people it's better that it doesn't you know it's it's better that you can listen to that song and just associate it with your own life and your own experiences. And, and you're, you're thinking about, uh, you know, that one person that you love the most, um, uh, you know, or, or it doesn't even have to be a one person over, over your entire life necessarily, but you know, maybe it's a, it could be a composite of, of different people who, who meant a lot to you. I mean, I know they say in the lyric, you know, of all these friends and lovers, there's no one compares to you. <laughs> like, no one. But, I don't know. Uh, you know, I could still... And these memories lose their meanings when I think of love as something new. You know, I'll never lose affection for people and things that went before. I know I'll often... You know, and and that's true. You stop and think about it. Like, you, you, you know, you take a moment um, just to you know, like, cause life moves so fast. Um, you know, the world, like, you know, you're supposed to like, like we're supposed to, to, to live at breakneck speed, you know? And you're like encouraged to, um, you know, when you, when you're, when you grow up and you get out in the world, like you've got to, you know, be a go getter and you got to do this and that. And it's like, yeah, you know, but is that stuff really going to matter? You know, when you're old, like when I'm 90 and I look back, am I going to be, you know, am I going to be thinking, wow, I am so, I am, you know, I am so glad that I, you know, when I worked in this job and the, the whole, 
the equivalent of like the TPS reports from Office Space or like that, you know, like, like that I filled out those cover sheets correctly, you know, or it's like, no, I don't give a shit. Like, like at, at, in the moment, you know, it was kind of important just, you know, to, to have certain things organized or whatever. But, you know, it's really about like the experiences of like the people in your life or maybe trips that you took and, you know, and, it, and it's, uh, you know, that, that's more meaningful. Like, I mean, I think if I live to be 90 and, you know, sometimes I get this distinct feeling that I'm going to live a really long time. I'm not saying that as like a wishful thinking thing, but sometimes it, it just feels like, like I'm going to be, I'm going to live to a very advanced age and which there's a negative to that, which is, you know, that a lot of the people, like when you, when you, when you live to be very old, there, you know, there are a lot of people that you knew in your life, you know, are no longer around, are no longer on, you know, walking on this earth, are no longer alive, and you just have your 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 memories of them, um, you know, and and part of me kind of feels like that's that's gonna be me. I don't know, you know, I could be wrong. It could turn out. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, from one day to the next, you don't know what's going to happen. But it uh, it resonates. Another Beatles song that um, <laughs> that we'll get to later um, in a few weeks. Um, carry that weight. You know, boy, you're going to carry that weight a long time. Um, you know, like my my nephew passed away a few months ago um, at the age of forty, and I kind of thought of that song. It's like you're going to carry that weight a long time like you're gonna this is something that is gonna be on your your mind and your heart for a long time but you know and but just try to to me it's just like you know try to cling to the the good memories try to try to cling to what was really valuable to you and what um, made you feel good made you feel like you you were growing as a person and you know feel close to other people in your life and you know, so there's there's that. I mean, you know, and I felt like a vague sense of that when I was 19 and I heard the song, which that was, I I, I that's when I bought the CD was when I was 19, and that's that was the first time I heard the full album. So that was the first time I heard in my life. Um, you know, and I, I listened to it like in my twenties and thirties, and 40, I'm 48 now, and you know, it's different experiences, places, people that I think of, but you know, it's also some of the same ones, even from from back then and the, you know, childhood and stuff. I don't know if I even really am making sense right now, but I, all that to say that it's it's a beautiful song. <laughs> and yes, of course, I love the speeded up piano um, on there from uh, George Martin. I mean, that ju that just takes the song over the top, basically. Like, I would still love the song anyway, but like that, you know, I mean, it's just beautiful. Um, the next song is Wait. Um, that's, I mean, if there's album filler on Rubber Soul, that would probably be the one. Um... I mean, it's not it's not a bad song, but it's sort of you know, I could I could 
I could take it or leave it. it. It's it's sort of in that little pocket, you know. It's like, um, uh, you know, it's not too bad. It's like wait till I, you know, you come back to my side. I feel as though you ought to know that I've been, I've been good, good as I can be, you know. And and it's, you know, I I like I like the tune. Like I I I don't dislike the song by any any means, but it just it doesn't really stand out. It doesn't. It doesn't dazzle me in the way that some of the other um, songs on Rubber Soul and through the um, Beatles' career do. Um, you know, it could, it could be there or not, basically, is what I'm saying. And I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> um, if I Needed Someone, we got another George Harrison composition and um, the whole guitar on it. Um, you know, I, I like the, the chord progression. Call your number on my wall and maybe you will get a call from me if I needed someone. It's like, I, I'm not going to say that I need you. I know I said I need you literally on the previous album, <laughs> on the Help album. Uh, George wrote, I need you. But now it's like, if I needed someone... It'd be you. <laughs> I think it would. I think it would be you. I'm pretty sure. Eh. I don't know. But you know, it's it's a it's a nice song. It's uh, it's the one that I kind of wish the album ended on, because the last song is "Run for Your Life." Um, hang on. My feelings about Run For Your Life are complicated. <laughs> that was a cover done by Nancy Sinatra. You may have, you may have recognized um, her, uh, her singing style on that one. Um, I alluded to Run For Your Life a few weeks ago when I was talking about You Can't Do That. And, you know, and I, I you know, comments that were made in response on the um, on the on Sug site, um, and then you know some of the talky talk on the show on the episode, you know where you can't do that was concerned. I you know I'm lightening up. Um, uh, you know I'm trying not to. Like, I think it's like a uh, overly emotionally charged perception of it. Um, you know in the you know the in light of the whole me too movement and all, you know all the other like that and just thinking about domestic abuse and you know all this like you know i mean we we know you know that uh, all the stuff with with john and there you know there was um you know some not so great aspects of his uh, marriage to his first wife cynthia and uh, you know all this and it's like you know I'm not sure exactly what happened there or whatever but um, on you can't do you can't do that um, I'm recognizing that it uh, you know I, I'm 
probably reading into it some and you know I'm taking on board the whole perspective like the uh, um, let you down and leave you flat um, doesn't have to be violent <laughs> you know to, to me you know, like it, it hits to me to my ear as like he's like oh that sounds just kind of violent it's kind of violent a violent but it might hello um but uh you know i i'm i'm seeing more of like you know it can be like you know i'm letting you down like i'm i'm letting you go that's it you know so i'm lightening up a little bit on on that song um run for your life is much more difficult to justify i mean there's literally i'd rather see you dead little girl than to be with another man which that lyric is cribbed from um an elvis song you know baby let's play house um you know and there there's like that whole that that's like kind of a, a blues um idea i guess i'm not sure how how better to say that but um you know i'm recognizing that the song doesn't seem to have been taken that way in the 60s i mean despite you know i'd rather see you dead um uh, you know i guess that was more like it, it, it was more like a accepted as like a figure of speech you know kind of like with the honeymooners where bang zoom to the moon you know there there wasn't all the outrage that came from that that you know um today we would listen to that that you know line you know you see jackie gleason saying that to audrey meadows and be like be like man this guy is like beating his wife or something it was no no he's not beating his wife there ralph <laughs> ralph cramden was not a wife beater you know he was very boisterous but you know he, he liked to talk a good game and be you know but like and just expressions like drop dead you know, you could say drop dead and it not necessarily be taken as like literally, I guess, you know, but, you know, now we're saturated in the media by, you know, this has happened and this has happened and, you know, so now it's like, you know, somebody says something, it's like, uh, yes, I know. Um, somebody says something, you know, like drop dead. It's like, whoa, is that being, you know, or like, uh, you know, I don't want to be in this world anymore. It's like, is that, you know, be, you know, and, and a lot of times those things do need to be taken seriously. So it's a very complicated issue there. Um, so, you know, it's difficult to classify run for your life. Um, I have less of a problem with it. I think, I think a lot of it is like the intent or the approach, you know, um, of like, you, you think about it in the song, getting better. When he says, I used to be cruel to my woman, I beat her and kept her apart from the things that, like that's past tense, you know, whereas like, uh, you know, you, you look at run for your life. It sounds like it almost sounds like future tense. It's like, you know, um, I catch, you know, with another man, that's the end, you know, you're going to be, uh, you know, it's a threatening, it seems like a threatening kind of a thing, but then you think, um, a lot, there was, I looked this up and you know, a lot of musical artists covered Run For Your Life in the 60s. Um, that Nancy Sinatra, where she's gender flipped it, um, which puts a really interesting take on it, you know, uh, like this woman is being threatening, is, is threatening this guy, like, you know, catch you with another girl. <laughs> um, you know, it's almost like a, a Roxy Hart in Chicago kind of a thing, you know. Um, 
you know the the merry murderesses of of uh, death row or whatever they call them. I don't remember anyway it doesn't matter um but like you know like these women is like uh, yeah okay uh oh my wife's asking if our Brit box expired I hope not Brit box is weird man sometimes sometimes uh you know I go to get on it and it won't let me log in um it it goes down a lot so you know it Brit box lets me down and leaves me flat. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is just to say that I'm trying to lighten up on on these songs and not take them as as um you know a, a violent intention necessarily um that said run for your life um you know not not the best Beatles song by any means um it, you know it's kind of uh you know, I watched a YouTube video where I was talking about some of the Beatles songs, and they said it's kind of sloppy, and it is. It is kind of sloppy. You know, it's not um, the 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 music is not as strictly regimented as some of it. It it seems to kind of, in the sense that a song can ramble, the the music kind of rambles a little bit in a way, and it's you know there doesn't seem to be so much structure on it, which is not necessarily a a, a problem or an issue in and of itself, but. Um, you know, it, it's not as strong a song as some of the other songs on on River Soul. Certainly, like uh, you know, like Drive My Car, or, you know, something along those lines. And you know, and and also it it again where Help ended with Dizzy Dizzy Miss Lizzie, and it felt like a throwback. Run for Your Life kind of feels like a a a, a throwback. Like there's not. Like there's more of a gentle tone to some of the songs, or at least deceptively gentle, you know, depending on how you take Norwegian Wood or um, Girl, you know, there's there's some some weird stuff going on behind this, you know, like right like kind of under the the current um, for Girl. I don't know, but I'm gonna have to answer her. Hang on, and just thinking about, uh, you know, I looked at uh, the Wikipedia page for. Uh, run for your life and you know nancy sinatra covered it and also you know jerry and the pacemakers and johnny rivers <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think of either of them um being you know singing a song where they're talking about possibly like um you know killing this woman <laughs> you know it's like especially jerry and the pacemakers <laughs> But there it is. That's they did. They did. Sorry, I said it wrong. It wasn't Jerry and the Pacemakers. It was Gary Lewis and the Playboys. <laughs> but you know, my point still kind of stands. It just doesn't seem right at all. Yeah, Jerry and the Pacemakers, sorry. I, yeah, Gary Lewis and the Playboys. I just ended up saying the wrong name. But, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to lighten up a little bit on on uh, some of that, where it's not as overt, but, you know, uh, trying not to see, you know, in terms of, like, um, the way things are perceived now and tried to um, assign those perspectives to, you know, earlier 
art, you know, you know that kind of thing. Um, I definitely run into that with some of the uh, some of the stuff that I put on Bumper Chain Cosmic. You know, you like um, seeking out the songs from a hundred years ago and one hundred and ten years ago and on. It was like, you know, some like they have like the racial overtones, but it was kind of accepted at that time. You know, but now we listen, we'll hear it, and it's like you gotta just like cringe. And I avoid putting those songs into Bumper Chain Cosmic. You know. Um, but just as an example there, but uh, so I guess I should sum up here. And um, Rubber Soul is a very important Beatles album, I think. Um, you know, it, it's it's you know it's bridging that that gap between their early career and moving into later stuff. It's kind of it's kind of a hybrid between. You know, I, I know Frank said it was you know like Help was like the end of a phase, but. You know, Rubber Soul to me is like the transition from one phase to another. Um, you know, from their their early, you know, four guys up on a stage all bowing at the same time, and wear, you know, wearing these suits and be, you know, and like, uh, ooh, yeah, 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 and all that. They're you know they're they're evolving on Rubber Soul. They're evolving into something new, something different. You know, wait, wasn't something new one of the uh, <laughs> The American releases, <laughs> I think it was. Anyway, but they're but they're they're moving it in a, in a different direction. Um, you know, they're they're figuring out what the hell they're all about, really, as people. It's like it. Rubber Soul is kind of like you know the college experience for um, the Beatles. Um, you know, where they're they're moving away from those more simple. Um, you know the way you saw the world. You know, in your early adolescence, and you're, you know, you're you're moving toward adulthood and trying to figure figure out who you're going to be. Uh, you know, um, what you want to sound like. <laughs> you know, so. But yeah, great great album. All you know, all in all, um, like the best song I would say would would be in my life definitely. Um, um, weight is kind of eh, I could do without um, the word I kind of go back and forth on um, you know some of the other songs that really you know drive my car is, is very good and um, you won't see me and I'm looking through you or sort of like eh, not perfect songs but they're decent songs yeah so yeah it's it's a great album it's it's leading into an even better album uh next week i i would say um yeah revolver is i don't i can't decide right now i'm not sure which which album i'm gonna say is the best i've said different things in the past you know like i've said the abbey road's their best uh, or i've said the white album's their best or you know revolver so yeah revolvers we'll get there <laughs> all right all right um sending it back to you pq it is a great album, Shambles, and uh, it, it, we're moving right along. I mean, next up is Revolver, and that's a whole planet in itself. But we won't. This is it's, oh, and it's complicated. Context is even in my lifetime. It, apparently, life uh, context is horribly complicated. Um those old little rascals that 
I don't know. The Help movie that we talked about. I don't know. I mean, there is stuff that at the time wasn't charged the way it is today. And that that's it's really difficult. I understand. Can you imagine? And I use this example that what kid from Borneo episode of the little rascals that everybody watched when I was growing up, whatever color, we'd talk about it, joke about it in class. And uh, if you showed that to a young, I mean, even a young white person, much less a young person of color, uh, I don't know what that, that I can't imagine they would even know how to respond to something like that. Uh, they probably have to leave the rumors. Who knows? But uh, that aside, I don't. While John had his pent up anger and indeed uh, may have done some things, um, hopefully he got over it. Then uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, it, and those who want to indulge there uh, this further, I believe Albert Goldman's biography of him, which is very sharp. Uh, I don't recommend it to people who aren't into the juicy gossip versions of people's lives because of the, Goldman was a master of it. His Elvis biography is also just uh, startling. But he documented a lot of stuff, and yes, some of it is extrapolation, perhaps, or uh, people he interviewed that had some agenda or sour grapes, but we can all live the rest of our lives without Albert Goldman's version of anybody. I mean, unless that's what does something for you. That disclaimer aside, um, we have Rob, and I'm looking forward, as always, to hear what Rob has to say about these Beatle albums. Uh, He's a little more contemporary with me, I think, even than Frank. And, yeah, there's some as a musician also, though he's a real one, and let's face it, while I make some cute little uh, musical uh, concoctions, uh, I'm not teaching people guitar, nor would I even pretend to. So uh, Rob has a little more uh, of that music head that I admire so much. So anyways, uh, now that I'm done flattering the co-host of the infamous Paunch Stevenson show, here he is and uh, his thoughts on Rubber Soul. Hi, everyone. It's Rob, and we're talking about the Beatles, Rubber Soul. This came out the very end of 1965, after help. And it's it's impressive to me that the Beatles were releasing multiple albums a year. So all of that songwriting, rehearsing, recording, plus that's on top of all the concerts, the touring, interviews, TV appearances, uh, movies, <laughs> filming movies and uh, and uh, music videos or what they, they called them promotional films back then. And, uh, the, all of these things. 
um, it's, it's, it's just so, it's, I can't even understand just writing that many songs, especially writing that many amazing classic songs that just have endured for decades and, and uh, all these really top hit songs and, uh, and all the touring. And I mean, that's normal, right? For a band, you write songs, you record an album, you tour, you play concerts or whatever, but the movies and the music videos, the TV appearances and all that's just everything put together and multiple albums a year. The past few decades, a band would usually take a few years between albums and the, like it's been three years. Here's our new album. It's been five years. Here's our new album. It's like no, no, no. This was this was like two albums a year, um, and 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 quality material too. So yeah, uh, 1965, same year as the Help album, and I uh, I'm a lifelong Beatles fan, and I live in the United States, so the version that I grew up with is uh, it's a little bit different than the real official version. <clears throat> but in 1987, my family got a CD player, and that's also the same year that the Beatles albums came out on CD. So um, ever since 1987, I've listened to the official UK real version of the album. It starts off with Drive My Car, which, of course, is a, it's, it's a song that everybody knows. Right? It's, a, it's a famous song, and it's a good one. It's, uh, it has a, an interesting vocal performance where Paul is, um, I don't want to use the word screaming, but he's just, I, the, the, Lennon and McCartney are using a certain voice that is very unusual. Uh, for the, I think the only other time they've done something like that is the song Birthday on the White Album. It's just this yelling... Um, in harmony, <laughs> but uh, but it worked. It it, worked. it 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 creates such a unusual sound, especially for the Beatles, and and I it, it works, and I and I like it. The guitars, the um, the bass line, the drumming, um, and there's some piano in there, and it's it's, it's it, drive my car. Of course, it's a good good catchy rock song. Everybody knows it. Norwegian wood, parentheses, this bird has flown. I really like that this one, too. And it has that really cool acoustic guitar riff. Or... And then George comes in in unison with the sitar. And then it's like, whoa, what is this? Sitar is so exotic, especially at the time. And I know a couple other bands at the time, around that time, were also experimenting with the sitar. And uh, I think the birds, maybe, the kinks, maybe. But uh, 
the Beatles used it here for the first time on Norwegian wood. And uh, it's John Lennon. It's, it's it. Uh, this is an acoustic song. Paul McCartney comes in on some parts with a nice harmony vocal. Um, some nice drumming, and this is a good one. Again, it's a famous song. This is a good one, and lyrically, it, you know, it's, it's telling a story and stuff. So this is a good. So so far, two for two, strong album so far. You won't see me. This is Paul McCartney. Um, uh, I feel like this is B tier. <laughs> Um, I know there are some people, like, there, there's a lot of Beatles fans who just worship this album. And it's life-changing, it's historic, it's legendary or whatever. And, like, every song is phenomenal and amazing. And, and it's like, okay, that's fine. I don't feel that way. Um, and here's an example. So you won't see me. It, it's it's good. It's good. It's middle of the road for me. It's B tier Beatles. It's but even B tier Beatles still catchy. It's still um, well written. The harmonies and everything. I just feel like eh, yeah, it's it, it's okay. It's okay. It's not one of the classic top songs. Uh, like I said on the help episode, it. This is one of those ones that it's because it's not top tier, it gets a little it gets lost in the shuffle or or overlooked probably. But then song four, Nowhere Man, John Lennon. This one is top tier. This is you know this this one is just legendary this to me this is so good this is so good the melody the three part vocal harmony john singing the lyrics the drumming the bass that walking busy you know paul's lead bass playing um which is what i call it and the electric guitar riffs that come in very tasteful and, uh, and the guitar tone, just everything about this song to me is top-tier Beatles. This is so, um, this is a perfect example of what the Beatles were capable of, songwriting and, and performing-wise. So yeah, I love Nowhere Man, and especially... Um, so you have the verse like John Lennon and, and the three-part harmony. He's a real nowhere man. And a nowhere man. Ah, la, la, la. Ah, take your time. Don't hurt. It's like just the way it all blends together and the bass. Oh, it's, it's, it's so good. This has always been one of my favorites. This is... a like probably the peak of the album for me. Then George Harrison, Think for Yourself. Ah, I, this was never one of my favorites. There's just something, there's something very 60s sounding about this song. It's the, the fuzz bass and uh, that, which is 
taking the place of a lead guitar. And um, the maracas. There's just something very (laughs) dated about the way this song sounds. Plus, I I just don't like it. Um, I don't hate it. It's just not one of my favorites. And it just has a weird... It just gives me a bad feeling for some reason. I don't know. It just just doesn't click with me. It doesn't sit right with me. Then the word, which is... Again, it just has this really... For me, it has this really dated 1960s sound to it. In this song, the Beatles... Again, they're doing their three-part harmony vocals, but as opposed to Nowhere Man, which it was so catchy and pleasing sounding, and it blended so nicely, and it just... There was something about it that came together in a way that elevated the song above just the sum of its parts. Whereas in the word, I feel like the three-part harmony, there's something about the way they're singing, like the falsetto or just the the the, the rhythm of the melody and, and or the notes. There's just something about it that just sounds really corny to me. The word is it's just so corny. I know it has this like this groovy beat to it and it's and that but it no, no, the word is like and I don't know if they were trying to be a little silly, a little playful, or if the I don't know. I just I don't get it. I don't get the word at all. I don't get it. And even the the, the title of the song itself, the word. Say the word. Say that. I'm like, what are you talking about? What is this side? This song it just flies right over my head. I it never clicked with me. I don't get it. This is it's bad. Actually, I don't like the word <laughs> at all. <laughs> Think for yourself and the word. I'm like, what is what is happening here? And then Michelle, Paul McCartney, which it's back to the acoustic, a little bit slower. Uh, trying to be romantic and and Paul's doing some French words and and I know he's trying to be a little silly like th- this was one where I remember hearing Paul McCartney say like he was talking about it and he said oh yeah this was just a song like I I used to just noodle around and just say French words and and uh, j- just playing around, just playing around. But we we needed an extra song for the album, and you know, I was like, "Oh, what about that song where you would just noodle around and just babble in French for a minute and whatever?" Let Let's do something with that. Let's make that into something. Oh, okay. And it's actually not bad. It's uh, again, I know it's it's a well known song, but um, it's okay. It's, I like it better than the word, I think, for yourself. But um, So up until now, so side one, that completes side one of Rubber Soul. So Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood, Nowhere Man, fantastic songs. And then You Won't See Me, eh, average. And then Think for Yourself, eh, okay, okay, average. I don't like it, but... It's average. The word, uh, <laughs> no. Michelle, uh, average. 
So let's see side two now. What goes on? This is sung by Ringo. Country western, uh, like an upbeat, energetic country western song with the three-part background vocal harmony. I like what goes on. I know there's people who don't like it, and oh, I can't stand it. It's so bad. This is a bad beat. I, I actually like it. I'm not saying this is one of the great all-time, you know, you have uh, you have Yesterday and Hey Jude and Eleanor Rigby and What Goes On, and I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I like it. It's catchy. It's straightforward. It's simple. It has a good feeling to it, a good beat. That really weird, sloppy, ragged, staccato um, lead guitar, <laughs> electric guitar playing. Like, I don't know what was going on there, but I kind of like it, actually. Um, and then Girl, so John Lennon, the song Girl. This song has always given me a weird feeling. Um... I don't know how to explain it, but I just, I don't know, just this weird acoustic guitar playing and the drumming and John and the Did anybody gonna listen to my story? I don't know. It's not bad. It's just always given me a weird feeling when I listen to it. It's uh, it's not one of my favorites. It's, it's, it's good. It's just not one of my favorites. Um, I know a lot of people out there will think I'm out of my mind saying I'd rather listen to What Goes On than Girl, but I'd rather listen to What Goes On. I just, it's, it's catchy. I like it. All right, Paul McCartney, I'm Looking Through You. Now, this is the one where I grew up with the U.S. fake version of Rubber Soul. And for some reason, that version had what people call false starts on the acoustic guitar. So Paul McCartney, but even though it's false starts, they were almost in, in time with, with themselves. Like, so that it, it could have been, <laughs> I'm like, I just always thought that was the beginning. Like down, down, and then hearing the official real version, it's like, no, it's just... And I'm like, huh, where did those other, where did those other uh, parts of the, of the guitar intro go? Uh, but anyway, I'm looking through you. Um, yeah, it's, it's never been one of my favorites. It has that annoying... Hammond organ, it's like, meh, meh, no, 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 meh, meh, no. like, oh, God, why? It's so blaring, and I, I just find it obnoxious. <laughs> and this one, the electric guitar, so it's interesting. The lead electric guitar tone, the actual tone, the sound of the, of the electric guitar on Drive My Car, Nowhere Man, it sounds really nice, nice tone. Um, even what goes on, and then I'm looking through you, and it's just this thin, again, this annoying, like high pitched electric guitar tone. I'm like, I don't know, I, I, I don't really like I'm looking through you. Again, I know it's this 
very well-known, very high-regarded, very praised Beatles song, but I just, it's just middle of the road for me. I don't know. Um, what else? In My Life. Okay, John Lennon, In My Life. Obviously, this is a very classic song. Everybody knows this one. Very famous. So you have the vocal harmonies, right? The three-part harmonies. Um, similar to, it's uh, kind of along the lines of Nowhere Man. And, uh, and that quirky, syncopated Ringo drum beat that he did in Anna Go to Him. And It's Only Love. So he's doing that same drum beat there. And it's not very tasteful. Of course, the famous solo on the piano that was recorded at half speed at a lower octave and then sped back up to normal speed. And then when you speed up the tape, it it was uh, at the higher octaves uh, that George Martin played. And um, yeah, I mean, it's in my life. What can I say? I, I really like it. Of course, it's a very famous classic song. Then Lennon-McCartney, Wait, which this is all according to what I've read, you know, over the years, interviews and and information. Um, Similar to Michelle, again, according to what I've read. I can only go by what I've read, so if I'm wrong, I I apologize, but... um, Based on that, similar to Michelle, where it's like, we need another song. Hey, what about that thing you used to noodle around on or whatever? This one was actually written and recorded several months prior um, during the help sessions. And they're like, nah, let's just, nah, we, we won't use it for the help albums. Not good enough. But then... Uh, Again, they they just needed more material because, again, writing two albums worth of material every year plus EPs plus singles. Hey, we need another song. Let's dust off that uh, recording we never used for help, add some overdubs to it, and uh, and polish it up. I actually like it. I like Wait. Um, It's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's such a different, Beatles song. It doesn't sound like any other Beatles song. It has a lot of that stop, start, stop, start songwriting technique that the Beatles use a lot, but it just has a weird, I don't know, it just has a weird feeling to it and a weird sound. And it's been a long time. And it's like the that pet, the volume pedal electric guitar that George used on I Need You. And um, it, it just has, like, this stark sound to it. There's stark feeling to it. Uh, but first, I like it. I like it. It's like this, this quirky drumming. And it's a, it's a bizarre Beatles song, but I really like it. <laughs> then George Harrison, If I Needed Someone. Um, of course, again, a lot of people know this song. This, I like it. It's catchy. It has that nice electric guitar riff that goes throughout the song and uh, the, the nice harmonies and everything. It's, it's just a nice, straightforward, catchy, pleasing-sounding song. So I like this one. Again, I'm not saying it's up there with the all-time classics. Uh, 
you know, let it be. And um, <laughs> I saw her standing there and Eleanor Rigby. Hey, Jude, if I needed someone, no, I'm not saying that, but I like it. It's definitely up there as one of the really good Beatles songs. Um, so good job, George Harrison. And, uh, and then finally, John Lennon, Run For Your Life, which of course everybody's going to talk about how, um, how messed up this song is and it's John Lennon's a psychopath and he's like talking about chasing a woman around, trying to kill her and, and all this stuff. And I'm like... I, maybe I don't know. Maybe, but or it's just a song. I don't. It's just a song, and I, I, obviously we should not. Nobody should be promoting, um, especially people in a position of power like the Beatles, who were very famous and popular, and and uh, and therefore had a lot of sway over. Um, impressionable <laughs> children's and, and teenagers' minds, right? people who were growing up and listening to the Beatles and, oh, well, John Lennon's saying, uh, like, we don't want to normalize that kind of behavior and give the impression that this is okay and this is acceptable or whatever. But at the same time, I don't want to overreact. It, 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 you know, it's, it's a pop song. Is John Lennon being serious and and really, um, uh, you know, it, it's not a documentary. It's not like, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. I'm literally going to do these things in real life, and it's it you know it's a it's fantasy. It's a song. Again, people in power shouldn't be promoting those kinds of messages. Maybe I don't know. I'm just saying. There's, um, it's a balance, you know, it's a Beatles song, it's not meant to be taken that seriously, but then I guess you look at someone like Charles Manson later on, and he did take these weird, silly, nonsensical songs seriously, and, uh, and then that caused a lot of, a lot of, uh, tragedy, so, um. But anyway, okay, so I got that out of the way. Growing up, I never... You know, the way that my brain works, this is just me. My brain pays far more attention to the music, the notes, the harmony, the rhythms, the syncopation, the timing... Um, uh, the the sound of the recording, so the technical engineering, the way the, the the tone of the instruments, the tone of the vocals, the compression, and my brain pays far more attention to the overall sound and the music and the instruments than it does the words. So if there's a very interesting, pleasing sounding voice. Um, my brain pays more attention to that than the words coming out of the voice. Whereas a lot of people are the opposite. If the, if the lyrics are really good and the voice is so-so, or, or you know, in my opinion, so-so, 
they don't care. It's like, wow, this is a, you know, I mean, a perfect example, Bob Dylan. The way my brain works, where I hear the sound first, and then the, the words are secondary, the words take a back seat. I don't, I don't, find it pleasing to listen to Bob Dylan's music. Whereas other people are like, wow, what are you talking about? You could Bob, this is amazing. Listen to the words. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't I don't care about the words. <laughs> I care about the the overall sound because that's how my brain works. So in this case, the overall sound of Run for Your Life and the of course it's John Lennon's voice, which I enjoy. It has a good beat to it, a good rhythm, those those um uh, uh, lead guitar fills and and the strumming, the acoustic guitar and everything. I find it to be an enjoyable, pleasing sounding song with a good rhythm and everything. Um, so growing up, I just I never really. It's not that I didn't pay attention to the words because that's that's not um, putting it accurately. It's just that my brain didn't prioritize the words. So, of course, I was conscious of what John Lennon was saying. My brain just doesn't prioritize it. It's, oh, the music is good. Yeah, yeah, there's words. I hear them. I know what they are. But, yeah, oh, but the music, it just, it just, uh, I don't know. I just, I get swept up in the music and the sound, the overall sound, than, than the words, typically. So, yeah, so growing up, this song never, I have to think that's why the lyrics never struck me as bizarre or or, uh, scary or anything like that. Because it's just like, oh, yeah, the music, and then the music and the drum beat and everything. And it's just, that was what my brain prioritized. So... Um, I enjoy Run For Your Life for those reasons. I hope I explained it in a way that makes sense about how my mind operates. Um, I can't control it. That's just how I was born. My mind prioritizes the sound and the instruments um, and the words are, you know, low. It, it deprioritizes the lyrics. Um See, I never had a problem with Run For Your Life. Um, I I also, again, this is just me. I know everybody operates differently. But for me, I just knew uh, fantasy versus actual reality. And it's like, well, it's it's a song. I'm not taking it literally. I'm not taking it seriously. Again, that doesn't mean we should normalize um, dangerous behavior or um, oppression or any of those kinds of things. But at the same time, I understand it, it's a song. It's entertainment. A lot of people don't, again, that's just me, a lot of people don't operate that way. And it's not just entertainment for them. It's life. It's uh, a message. It's a meaning. It's whatever. But for me, it's like it, it's a song. It's entertainment. So overall, I, you know, I think I had better things to say about the Help album than Rubber Soul. When I think back, my whole, again, I'm a lifelong Beatles fan, literally a lifelong Beatles fan. 
And rubber soul, I know rubber soul is worshipped as this amazing, legendary, phenomenal album. And it was this huge turning point, and the Beatles have grown up now, and, and there's the, lyrically, the content is very different from all the previous albums, and and um, the instruments, and experimentation, and sound, and and just all of these different things, and the drug use, and... The, and it's supposed to be this mind-blowing, life-changing album. But I'm like, I, eh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite, actually, to be honest with you. Um, I, it just never, from start to finish, yes, there are some very, very high highs. Again, Nowhere Man, of course, In My Life, Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood. I like what goes on. I like wait. I like if I needed someone. Even run for your life for me and the way my mind works. Um, but you won't see me think for yourself the word Michelle, girl. I'm looking through you. I'm like, ah. I don't know, some of those songs are really annoying or they just never clicked with me or they sound dated or just give me a weird feeling or a bad feeling or something. I don't know. I don't know. I like Help. I like um, Rubber Soul. I I don't know. I don't know. It's not bad. Obviously, it's the Beatles. It's not bad. But... I just, it's inconsistent for me. It's, it's, it's not life-changing for me. I, and I know, I grew up after the fact, so I, I didn't experience these albums as they were released in real time. So I didn't experience the Beatles' evolution in real time. I experienced the Beatles after the fact, like, here's all the Beatles albums. <laughs> Listen to whatever you want in whatever order you want. Plus, like I've been saying in all these episodes, I grew up with the U.S. fake versions of the albums, which made it even worse because I couldn't even go in order of a progression um, because the albums were all mixed up. Like I said, yesterday and today was stuff from Help and um, Rubber Soul and Revolver and Singles and... So it was just a mess. So I experienced an entire dump of all the Beatles material just at once. And I could just listen in any order I wanted, and which I loved. I, obviously, I'm a lifelong Beatles fan. But I'm saying as someone who um, uh, was exposed to and experienced the Beatles catalog after the fact, after it was all released... Um, rubber soul. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's one of those things where you just had to be there for it to re- have really resonated and made that life-altering impact. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't there at the time in 1965. So for me, it's just, eh, uh, put, I'm going to put on Magical Mystery Tour. I, I like that better. Or uh, Or Let It Be. Or the White Album or Help or whatever. Rubber Soul was always like, yeah, it, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and like I said in the previous episode with Help, this and Help are the two Beatles albums where the original 1965 stereo mix is 
practically speaking, lost forever. When the remastered boxed sets came out in 2009, on the mono boxed set, they included the original 1965 stereo mix of Help on the mono Help CD and the original 1965 stereo mix of Rubber Soul on the Rubber Soul mono CD. Uh, but other than that, at that time, people weren't able to go to the store and just, oh, I'll, I'll just buy the Help Mono CD. I'll just buy the Rubber Soul. No, you had to buy this expensive box set to get those original stereo mixes. The reason why those original 1965 stereo mixes of only these two albums, no other out, just these two albums, the reason why the original mixes I say, practically speaking, are lost forever is because, again, I can only go by what I've heard these people say, and George Martin has said in interviews when he was called in to help prepare the Beatles albums for release on CD in 1987. Well, he was called in too late. He didn't have time to help prepare the first four albums. Um, please Please Me with the Beatles, A Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale. <clears throat> Those were only released in mono originally on CD. They didn't sound that good. <laughs> but then he was called in in time for Help and Rubber Soul, and he had the idea, well, what if I do this very dramatic remix of Help and Rubber Soul and make try to make it sound more modern and better and because back then the stereo mixing was very limited and janky and stuff. Like you didn't have um, uh, panning, like the, you know, it was like you were locked, like a channel would be locked into either left or right. You couldn't, um, uh, you know, f fade from left to right or whatever at that time with, with that equipment. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to do a radical remix, make it sound great and modern or whatever. But then he had second thoughts and was afraid that the fans would, uh, that, that there would be a backlash because like, what the heck is this? This wasn't, this was, this isn't how help sounds. This isn't how rubber soul sounds or whatever. So then he decided to do, more subtle remixing, so narrow the stereo field slightly, move vocals around slightly, but what he did was he added, like, okay, fine, fine, you know, you, you shift things around in the stereo image slightly, okay, but he re-equalized the sound of those albums to take out what I feel like is that very crucial Beatles mid-range punch. He took that down to try to make it sound more modern, like did, did a smile face EQ, and, um, and just smothered everything in this fake digital reverb. And it's like, no, what, oh, this sounds so inauthentic now compared... And people who have been listening to these albums on CD and on streaming for decades they don't know it's like oh this is how the help album sounds this is how the rubber soul album sound they don't know but if you go back to the original 1965 versions um the stereo versions 
it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, the this is the authentic Beatles. This makes more sense now. This makes a lot more sense. The reverb is gone. The EQ that again that that Beatles mid range punch, that mid range impact is back and uh it's it, it's just it that's the authentic Beatles sound not the the 1987 versions which have replaced the original um nine, uh, 1965 versions only for these two albums only for help and rubber soul so anyway that's uh i i have those versions because i bought the boxed sets in, in uh, 2009, and I ripped them to my computer. So I have those versions, but unless you bought those box, unless you bought the mono box set or had the, um, I believe, the Apple-shaped USB drive, which also came out at the same time with the remastered version, unless you have those, you're not going to, there's nowhere to go to hear these two albums in their original authentic 1965 state so anyway i know nobody cares i'm the only one who cares but uh, (laughs) to me the albums do sound better you'll probably even if you track down a version and you go back and forth and compare and whatever you might yeah i hear a little bit of a what's this guy talking about there's a little bit of a difference but to me it makes a big difference I admit to everyone else it's probably a minor difference, but to me it makes a big difference. I want the authentic sound. And it sounds better. It just sounds better. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'll shut up now. <laughs> I'm curious to see what everyone else has to say about Rubber Soul. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Very interesting point that you bring up. And I'd agree with it because when I think about it, as I've said, generally speaking, my favorite Beatles album is either Help or Revolver. And Rubber Soul's in there, but like he, like he says, I, some elements of Help actually are ahead in my head of some elements of Rubber Soul. Uh, but, oh, it, it is a good album. It's... It, it, the problem is, I mean, even a disappointing Beatles album taken at face value is still so good. And I don't know if this is a conditioning from just where, because it's really hard to get, well, to reproduce, I mean, just playing somebody, these albums. It, in a modern context, it's a whole different thing striking their cerebral cortex, I would think, than if they were, well, number one, I mean, for me, this was like, this all hit me in these primordial years as I keep going back to. And um, yeah, we. Th- this is really, I am fascinated by uh, how much we can uh, speak of these and reflect and talk about them. Um, and I, 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 it isn't that I thought Rob was older. I just thought, because Rob, it sounds like Rubber Soul, uh, Rob isn't as um, 
Well, I don't know. It just, and I looked it up. It really isn't a lot different. There's four songs off. And let's see, what do we got here? Um, they added, I've just seen a face and it's only love, which are on the UK Help album. And they took off Drive My Car, Nowhere Man, What Goes On, and If I Needed Someone. And to me, that just seemed like such a severe change for some reason, whereas that's not really any more drastic than any of the other um, exisms that were done by Capitol Records in the day. But that that's just uh, PQ River being old. And, uh, oh boy, I, I, I seem, but I'm enjoying. I'm noticing that I'm getting older, but I kind of like the idea. It, it, it opens up doors for whole new ways of being. But that's a whole other thing. And uh, we've got Frank Edward Nora, who uh, I am eager to hear his thoughts and uh, riffing on the Rubber Soul album. So uh, let us meander over that way now together. Plastic Soul, man. Plastic Soul. Plastic soul, man. Dude. Plastic soul, man. Plastic soul. Yes. No. Stop. <laughs> that was. Uh, Let's hope this one turns out pretty darn good, huh? That's from uh, "I'm Down, Take One" from uh, the Beatles Anthology Two, and uh, yeah, Plastic Soul, man, and that's where the title "Rubber Soul" comes from. I guess it's also sort of a play on words in terms of a sole of a shoe, you know, your shoe sole, a rubber sole on your shoe, or a rubber sole, S-O-U-L, sort of sounds the same, but it's different. It's kind of a play on words. I remember there's a song called Rock My Plimsoll by uh, Jeff Beck. It's from 1968, though. So I think a plimsoll was a, a, sort of a kind of a shoe. But again, this sort of obsession with shoes I'm getting out of my old brown shoe. No, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Old brown shoe is not, it has not been released yet. Um, anyway, Rubber Soul. This is uh, a major point in time. You know, what I was really thinking about is, uh, you know, if you were living uh, at the time when the Beatles uh, albums were coming out and we have covered the first five and they were always just generally getting better and better and better, it's like you must have been worried. Like, are these guys going to be able to like keep keep up and make still like make great music, or are they just going to fall apart? And uh, as we know historically, yes, after the fifth album, <coughs> not only did they continue to make good stuff, but they got better and better and better up until a certain point, and then uh, yeah, the band broke up. But anyway, uh, Rubber Soul is uh, an album that. Everyone seems to agree is is a, a is a reinvention, it's the start of a new phase. Um, the use of the studio as a, as an instrument and all the studio techniques and uh, the songs themselves, which are just unbelievable. I mean, this is obviously, if I, in my opinion, looking at the first six albums, this one is the best. I know last the last one was also the best, but they just keep getting better and better. And uh, this one does not have any covers on it. 
we're 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 away from the covers and uh on this album i don't think there's there's not any like real uh bad song every song is great on this album right i guess you could say the one it's not a bad song but run for your life the 14th song on the album john lennon described it as his least favorite beatles song it's talking about how he wants to like uh, he's sort of threatening this woman you know I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. I was researching that. It's actually from an Elvis song that was sort of a, a semi-cover of another song. Anyway, that's one of those, you know, unpleasant aspects of the Beatles that seems to be running through things is John Lennon being having a bit of a violent streak and expressing that. As he said a few albums from now, I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. He beat her. He he beat a woman. He was a, he was like a he, he was an abuser. I don't know. I mean, I and I know that there's some indication that that was true in real life. But anyway, I don't know how much is the artistic license and how much isn't. But yeah, so this uh, this is a big one. And I think, uh, again, a lot of people look at this album specifically as really launching different musical trends. Uh, Psychedelic rock kind of starts here. Progressive rock kind of starts here. And I think this was a huge influence. In fact, um, apparently, um, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys heard this album and it sort of changed his life. said he played it four times in a row. He couldn't sleep. And that's what led to Pet Sounds and... And him to really try so much harder. Unfortunately, he did not. He was not able to finish Smile at a few years after this. This is '65 we're talking about. Um, Smile. I'm a huge fan of Smile. We don't ever. We don't know what it would have been, but we have close approximations. The Smile sessions you can get on streaming. It gives you as close as possible an approximation of what Smile would have been like, and I think it would have matched. Any Beatles production, I love that album. Unfortunately, things didn't really go. I, I, I think this, obviously that's a whole other topic. But anyway, and I think this is the first uh, album where the the title is, is not in a song. It's just its own phrase. It's its own thing. It's not taken from a song. If we look at the first albums, we have um, right. So we had "Please Please Me" at first, named after a song with the Beatles. That's not a song. It's just that you're with the Beatles. A Hard Day's Night was the name of the movie. Beatles for Sale. Again, that's not the name of a song, but it, again, it mentions the Beatles. Help was the movie. So now we have Rubber Soul, uh, which is uh, a phrase that just sort of stands on its own. And the next album as well, Revolver, also is not a song. Although Sgt. Pepper's Hardly Lonely Hearts Club Band is a song. Magical Mystery Tour is a song. The White Album is, is technically called The Beatles. Uh, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road. Abbey Road is another title like that, but it refers more to like where it was being recorded, right? So really, in a way, like Rubber Soul and Revolver as titles uh, are, are sort of completely detached in a way from um, the content and just sort of give a vibe of, of what's going on. Now, I want to sort of see... They're saying Plastic Soul was a phrase that was used... Um, <clears throat> Let, let me just read the, the entry here. Plastic Soul is described as soul music that is believed to lack authenticity. 
Paul McCartney references referenced the phrase the phrase as the name of the Beatles' 1965 album Rubber Soul, which was inspired by the term plastic soul. In a studio conversation recorded in June 1965, after recording the first take of I'm Down, McCartney says, Plastic soul, man, plastic soul. David Bowie also described his own funky, soulful songs released in the early to mid-70s as plastic soul. I think, some of, I think the undertone of all this is that it, it's, there's a lot of inspiration from music from black performers, and these are white performers, that are sort of uh, very inspired by that, right? That that they're that they're not as authentic. Anyway, I thought it was based on a, on something about the Rolling Stones. Plastic Soul, Rolling Stones. <coughs> Let's see. So here's the story, Paul recalled reading about an old bluesman, blues man in America who had heard Mick and the Rolling Stones' version of the blues. I just read about an old bloke in the States who said, Mick Jagger, man, well, you know, they're good, but it's plastic soul. From plastic, they made it a little more flexible and had their title. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's the whole story of that, of that thing. Now, what about the album cover? Right, it's it's distorted. The, the the actual album is the cover is distorted. Let's see if we can get the story of this. Also, the the word Beatles was not on the cover. I I, I guess they were so popular their name was not uh, required. And cover photo was taken by Robert Freeman in the garden at John Lennon's house. The idea for the stretched effect of the image came about by accident when Freeman was projecting the photo onto an LP-sized piece of cardboard for the Beatles' benefit, and the board fell slightly backwards, elongating the projected image. Harrison said the effect was appropriate since it allowed the group to lose the little innocence tag, the naivete, and it was in keeping with the emergence as fully-fledged potheads. Author Peter Doggett highlights the cover as an example of the Beatles, like Dylan and the Stones, continuing to test the limits of the portrait in their LP design designs. The distinctive lettering was created by illustrator Charles Front, who recalled that his inspiration was the album's title. If you tap into a rubber tree, you get a sort of globule. And so I started thinking of creating a shape that represented that, started starting narrow and filling out. The rounded letters uh, used on the sleeve established a style that became u- ubiquitous in psychedelic designs. And according to journalist Lisa Batchelor, I wonder if he's related to Horace Batchelor, uh, a staple of poster art for the flower power generation. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I, I think that uh, whether this was the origin of that type of lettering, if you look at all of the psychedelic posters from, like, California at the time and everything, everything looks kind of like that. Those, those kind of wavy, weird letters and stuff. And on the cover, we have uh, the Beatles wearing kind of like brown jackets and stuff, but they're not wearing the same thing. They're wearing different things. So you have, you have uh, George looking in the distance, looking kind of distracted. Then there's John sort of looking at the camera with kind of a sort of sat- satisfied look on his face, but a little a bit of a sneer. And you have Ringo looking off into the distance, looking... 
looking kind of like he, he's, bl he's blanked out. I don't know if he's thinking of anything. Then you have the real Paul there in the upper right. Um, looks like he's thinking, thinking about something, look, looking into the distance. By the way, I, I just want to say that, you know, looking at all these images of Paul McCartney from this time period has only reinforced my interpretation that uh, after October or September of 1966, uh, the person that was said to be Paul McCartney is, is, is a, is a stand-in, is, is, is a look-alike, is, is an imposter. I know I talk about this every time, but I think it's, I find it one of the most interesting things about the Beatles is that this actually happened. Um, and there's, there's a new channel on uh, YouTube called Justice for James Paul McCartney. And it, they, this group has been posting a lot of uh, content that covers, I mean, a lot of the stuff I've already known, but a lot of stuff uh, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, including listening to, to the voice, right? I mean, let me just step away from Rubber Soul for a moment and give you this, uh, this little comparison. It's, it's not conclusive, but it's darn interesting. So this is the song Here, There, and Everywhere, which, when does that one come? I think that's coming soon. I think that's on the next album. Um, this is just what it says here, Paul McCartney versus Billy Shepard. Billy Shepard is the supposed name of the of the of the new person who took the place of Paul. Let's see if we can get this going. To lead a better life. Right, this is the original Paul. I need my love to be here. And here's Billy Shepherd. To lead a better life. <laughs> I know it's not conclusive, but it's, it's, they're going through all these kind of comparisons, facially, the voice, everything. Yeah, making each day of the year here, making each day of the year. Yeah, they're, they're saying the word here is pronounced here, here. It's not conclusive, but check out the channel, Justice for James Paul McCartney. Um, but it's not just any one factor. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of points of information on this matter. The main one being, if you look at the guy's face, it looks like a different person. I can't explain how I look at the two individuals and see two different people, but most people I talk to say no. I see he's the same exact person. So I, I can't explain that. It's a matter of perception, right? These are different pe these are two different people. There's I, I, I am ninety nine point nine percent I love me a good conspiracy theory and I don't know. I just feel differently. I it, it's, and it's really interesting because two people can hear and see basically the same photos and music. And the only difference I hear in those uh, two recordings of comparing, you know, the, all of them, it sounds like the second thing is somebody who's about 20, 30 years older and their voice 
you're God, you want to compare my voice to my voice even at the beginning of when I did these podcasts. And my singing voice has been all over the place. So, but you know, professional singers do tend to try to maintain their quote unquote classic voice, whereas I never had a classic voice. I'm just. I don't know what I do. That then that's a whole other thing that has nothing to do with real singing. Let us it's just, I am not in any way comparable to uh even Ringo <laughs> as far as like uh, professional singerdom. Um where are we at here? Uh and I don't know. I, I, I am I, I love that people will take this time and and it's really easy. There's that uh, guy Wings of Pegasus. He uses a thing that actually measures voice stress and stuff and uh, that, that there and I've yet has anybody yet just taken some simple facial recognition software and seen what that says about 1965 versus 1967 uh, James Paul McCartney. And, you know, I would, I don't really have anything vested except for the fact that so many people managed to pull the wool over our eyes for so long. And Paul has brothers and sisters, a mother, a father, all of these people that would have had to have been in on this. Uh, it, it's... And I'm not saying it's not possible, Frank, because I have a, it's a lot of the thing that people like to dismiss Frank's uh, far flung uh, meanderings at that. And I keep referring to our, our secret meanderer. Um, but in all kinds of alternative ideas and ways of looking at things and that in itself is a very uh, enjoyable and appreciable. Uh, that there's it just clinging to a set narrative, and you never learn anything that way. It's better to be wrong. In fact, being wrong often, each time one is wrong, when I'm wrong, that means I'm going to learn something. And uh, that I am still capable of learning at this advanced stage, you know. And, I, and I'm just going on and on and better hand the floor back over anyway, to Frank. Th- at this album, Paul is still alive, though. So Rubber Soul Paul is still alive. <clears throat> so let us check out this album. I would say that uh, some of these songs are just, to me, they're great songs, but I think they might be overplayed to the point that they get a little bit annoying to me. Not ever to take away from the songs, but just certain songs being overplayed, and you've heard them a million times. Maybe it's just a sign that the songs are not as robust, because the first song is a song that may be overplayed, but I never get tired of it. I think it's one of their best. It's uh, Drive My Car. And I will say that, um, you know how we've been talking about the albums opening with like immediately there's lyrics and there's stuff going on. This one feels like it's taking a bit more time 
it seems to be the most sort of relaxed opening of the al- of an album, right? Right. It's like. Uh... <laughs> I think that right there really establishes that there's something new and different going on. Absolutely. Baby, you can drive my car. Yeah, so this absolutely fantastic song. I think one of the best. Let me just get the information of who wrote what on this. Get it here in a second. So all the songs are Lennon-McCartney songs, uh, except for the two George Harrison songs. And... Um, George Harrison uh, sings on his two songs, and uh, <coughs> Ringo has one song, <coughs> which is also, also he's actually uh, credited writing it. So, he, so uh, Richard Starkey, the real name of Ringo Starr, has has a credit there as well. So, the second so so the second song is Norwegian Wood with by sung by John. Right, and this song I feel like it is a great song, but I sort of feel like this may be one of the ones that I've I've heard too much, or you know, it's not to take anything away from it. But this song, I don't know that I would actually want to listen to this song. I once had a girl, or should I say, she once had me. And how he's, you know, so I lit a fire because the girl didn't sleep with him. Is he uh, is it more violence from John Lennon burning down this woman's house? We don't know. Um, again, not to take anything away from it, but I feel like we really haven't gotten to this kind of song in the first five albums. But this one, I just, as great of a song it is, there's something about it. It's not that it's bad in any way. It's just that it's become kind of annoying. Um, and I'm, and I'm be, I mean, you know, and I was, I've been listening to this album over and over again. I'm not skipping Norwegian Wood. I'm just saying it just always gives me kind of a weird feeling and it's kind of like not necessarily my favorite Beatles song. Um, anyway, next we have You Won't See Me. When I call, when I call. This one's a great song. I love this one. You up. Lines engaged. Yes, that one does not ever wear out. So maybe Norwegian Wood is is not as robust a song as some of these other ones, but it's also "You Won't See Me" is also not nowhere near as uh, as overplayed. Let's say, really love, really love a "You Won't See Me." Then we have "Nowhere Man," right? He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere. And this one also gives me a bit of that weird feeling and sort of brings to mind the more horrific elements of, like, the Yellow Submarine movie. Just, like, these weird, evil cartoon people and stuff. Um, It kind of reminds me of that, what was that poem, I Met a Man Who Wasn't There When I Was Walking Up the Stair? Something like that. (laughs) Let's see what that's all about. It's a poem by Hughes Mearns. 
what kind of name is that? Hughes Mearns. And Antigonish. I met a woman. I met a man who wasn't there. Yesterday upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away. Yeah, and that was actually slightly different lyrics. It was on that Little White Duck album. Remember, I played that a while back on my show. When I was walking up the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. There's sort of weird nonsense poems. But I think this song, you know, it's a fantastic song. It just, it just has that kind of, it has that sort of tone. It just makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't know what it is about it. Great song, but again, I'm just, I'm not saying it's bad. It just has this quality that is, is a little bit uh, disturbing. <laughs> well, but it's, it's good. I mean, they started to be like a very, like there's so much going on in this album. All right. Next we have Think for Yourself. And this is the, I believe this is the, uh, yes, this is the first of the two George Harrison written and sung songs on the album. It's a very good song. I got a word or two to say about the things that you do. I mean, this, and again, this this has a bit of a darker feel, but good song. Um, Next up is The Word. And I know there was a TV show called The Word on, in Britain that I've only seen a little bit of, but it's a it's a very cool show. It's like a well, I love this the clip of Stereolab playing on The Word. Um, anyway, the, this is the song The Word. Uh, this is a John Lennon song. is a good one. I do like this one. It definitely flows. And so fine sunshine it's the word love. Yes. And then we get Paul's uh, song Michelle including French lyrics. L- l- let me look up the lyrics here. Michel, my belle, these are words that go together well. Michel, my belle, sont des mots qui vont très bien ensemble, très bien ensemble. So does that mean words that go together well? Yes, that is exactly what it means. It's the same thing. They are words that go together well. Sont des mots qui vont très bien ensemble. Sont des mots. Words are called mots. Qui vont très bien ensemble. Yes. What are the other lyrics here? Yeah, that's it. That's the only French stuff. Is is, is uh, uh, sont des mots qui vont très bien ensemble, très bien ensemble. Definitely, definitely a great song. I don't think I, I don't really get tired of that one. I don't think it has that quality to it. 
Then we get to the Ringo song, which we know last time, which was uh, Act Naturally. I said it was sort of the turd in the punch bowl. It was kind of crap. This one, you know, it's... I don't know if it's sort of like uh, Ringo kind of as this sort of, uh, you know, as, as sort of this funny guy singing kind of like crappy songs. Um, this one I think is good. It, it definitely is is not as good as a lot of the other songs on the album, but it's uh, not bad. That almost sounds like the beginning of that song. Dun, 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 dun. I stepped into a burning ring of fire. I can't stand that guy. I can't. I don't know what it is. I cannot stand Johnny Cash. I don't, I don't know why. I know everyone universally loves the guy. He just he just drives me nuts. I don't like him. I mean, it's it's not it's not bad. That's why they're saying there's no bad songs in this album, but it's just not, you know, necessarily on the level of some of the other songs in this album. Uh, then we get the John Lennon song "Girl." I think that's the next side, right? Is that? Let me, let me check. No, that's a, what goes on was the first song on the second side. So "Girl" with John Lennon. This one I, is I, I really like this song, and there's a lot going on here. And that <laughs> someone thinks this might have been the sound of toking on some marijuana. We got, we got to hear the part where it goes. Smoking that weed, smoke that weed, Johnny. Smoke that weed. Yes. Uh, then comes I'm Looking Through You uh, by Paul. And I really do like this one as well. This this one just sort of has a real, it just works really well. I, I love this one. Um, looking, they said this has to do with his relationship with Jane Asher. Love this song. Good one. Good one. Now, of course, the next song uh, I think everyone would agree is probably a huge breakthrough song, probably the best song in the album, and really, uh, you know, a whole nother level of songwriting in my life by John Lennon. There are places I remember all my life. Right, this this sort of rises to that next level. There are places I remember all my life. What a what a song! What a great song! Um, and you know, really has depth, and is uh, you know this. Uh, <laughs> the the thing is, this is there's so much going on in this album. Each each song is like its own little universe, you know. Um, coming up next is "Wait," and Lennon and McCartney sing on this one. 
And I, this is a really good song. I think it's kind of a sleeper hit. I, you, it's not a song you really think of when you think of the Beatles, but this is a great song. It's been a long time. Now I'm coming back home. I've been away now. Oh, we get to the chorus. Really good song. Next up is If I Needed Someone. This is uh, George's uh, second song on the album. And I think this one is really good. This may be better than the other one. I mean, this, this, that sound right there, I know, I know they said it, he was inspired by the birds, I think. But it has a kind of a West Coast, you know, California sound. Part, right. If I needed some great, great stuff. And finally, we have the the most troubled song on the album, "Run for Your Life." That he'd rather see this woman dead than be with another man. Yeah, and that they said George Martin wanted to keep this song off the album if at all possible because it is kind of a nasty sentiment. for your life he's like threatening to kill this woman <laughs> it's really kind of it is rather uh disturbing but apparently it came from a song called hold on let me let me find the reference a song called something like baby let's play house right so baby let's play house is a song by Recorded by Elvis Presley, obviously Elvis never wrote anything, in 1955, and had been written the previous year by a 28-year-old songwriter called Arthur Gunter. It was loosely based on I Want to Play House With You, a 1951 country and western hit for Eddie Arnold. So I listened to the Eddie Arnold version. He's not talking about killing any, any, anyone. He's just talking about living in a house with his, his, his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. But we got to hear the Elvis version to see where this exact line comes from. Because that's sort of the explanation is what started this, but obviously it resonated with John Lennon in some way. Yeah, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. Yeah, that sounds good. What? What, John? What? What? Here it is, Elvis. You know, I've, I've been meaning to get more into Elvis. I just don't really have much feeling for Elvis because I just... I, I, he, I never connected with Elvis as I did with the Beatles. Yeah, that's where that's where it comes from. I really should listen to more Elvis. I think you know. Apparently, he recorded over seven hundred songs, compared to the Beatles, what eighty or ninety, from their main release period. Obviously, if you include all the anthologies and bootlegs and everything, there's a bit more. 
Um, yeah. But anyway, that's sort of a troubled song, but actually not a bad song. It's a good song. I'm determined I would rather see you dead. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch you with another man. That's the end, a little gal. And uh, there was also a single that was released around this exactly the same day. And I know we're my view of the singles is we're going to pick them all up on uh, Past Masters, but um, this single was released along with this album, so I'll mention it. Yeah, Day Tripper and We Can Work It Out were released alongside the album, which is uh, it's just weird because those are two amazing songs as well, right? You know Day Tripper? Right, I, I mean, both these songs I absolutely love. She's a real teaser. She took me halfway there, man. Day tripper, yeah. And then it, this is a, we can work it out. This almost feels like it would be a later song. This feels like a little bit like a little further. So, so like, I guess they couldn't fit them on the album, but honestly... And I know the American version, they're still completely, it was still the same, I think, Rubber Soul artwork, but completely altered track list. I don't know if these songs were on the American version, but, you know, I, I mean, let me just take a look here. Hold on a second. I mean, if there really is not enough room on the album, I mean, take out, take out uh, Run For Your Life. You can get that rid of that one. I know you can't get rid of Ringo's song, but... I don't know what other one you could take out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would take out what goes on, you know, but that's not fair to Ringo. But uh, I guess take take out maybe think for yourself. I don't know. No, it's such a great song though. But yeah, I don't know. All right, it's fine. We have all the songs now anyway. So what do you want? Let's take a look on. Uh, <clears throat> Apple Music and see what they have to say about this. They have some some writer that just writes about each of these. There's a there's a paragraph, a couple paragraphs about each album. Here's Rubber Soul, The Beatles, 1965. It wasn't just that Rubber Soul was sonically groundbreaking, it was. Or that Lennon and McCartney's songwriting had reached new heights of maturity and ambiguity, okay. But it was the first Excuse me. The first Beatles album where each song seemed to exist unto itself and yet worked in alchemical harmony with everything around it. The emergence of the pop album as creative kaleidoscope. McCartney had told the New Musical Express that the band was banking on comedy being the next big thing after protest music, a reflection possibly of the existential irreverence one feels on acid, their growing insularity from and reluctance toward the culture at large, a philosophical commitment to enjoying the ride or some giddy mix of all three. Whatever the case, Rubber Soul is a deeply funny album. The gender play of Drive My Car and the beep-beep backing vocals, the cabaret of Michelle because nothing warms up the object of one's desire like French, the way Lennon sucks deeply through his teeth before oozing the chorus to Girl, even the album's most earnest songs, Nowhere Man, In My Life, were touched by... 
a nursery rhyme gentleness that made their themes psychic alienation, the astonishing continuity of past and present, go down easily. As for Norwegian Wood, what can you really do with the suggestion that the narrator burns the girl's house down but shrug in uncertainty? This is how the album unfolds, colorful, dreamy, and delirious on the surface with shadows swimming underneath. The overall feeling is one of liberation. In getting a little chemical-assisted distance from their egos, the band was able to explore style in ways that felt fluid and radical, changing costumes from song to song instead of locking themselves continuously into being the Beatles, a channel-changing approach that only became more pronounced as their career wound on, especially on the White Album and Abbey Road. Not to mention a set to set a, set a new precedent for the diversity of modes and expressions pop artists were suddenly allowed to explore. As for the title, McCartney had remembered something an old bluesman said about Mick Jagger, that he was plastic soul. In the original iteration, it was a diss. In the Beatles' version, it was a statement of liberation. In embracing artifice, you free yourself from the confines of the real. Nice. And here is the short documentary on Apple Music. So, you know, there's a video documentary along with each of the Beatles albums. They animate the albums. No matter of having all experienced the recordings. Robosol really was a matter of having all experienced the recording studio, having grown musically as well, but mainly having experienced the studio and knowing the possibilities. We were getting more fine-tuned, really. More of the same, but fine-tuning it. I mean, we certainly knew we were making a good album then. Okay, let's down. take it from the top and run it. Don't take it from the top. I mean, yes, okay. We always wanted every single record to have a different sound. We never wanted to get trapped in this Vermersey beat. Norwegian Wood. No, this bird has flown. Take three. When we were working on Norwegian Wood, it just needed something. I just picked the sitar up and kind of found the notes and I just kind of played it. And it just seemed to hit the spot. Our whole attitude was changing. We'd grown up a little. I think grass was really influential in a lot of our changes, especially with, with the writers. There are places I remember all my life, They were getting more and more interested in unusual sounds, and um, they were trying out new instruments and always coming to me saying, what, what ideas have you got for this, you know? We'd be saying, well, can we, we're only go and e, e, and he'd say, well, look, chaps, I thought of this this afternoon, and we'd say, oh, great. 
Another Soul was an indication of the way things were going to go. It's one of my favorite albums. I think it's a great album. The title Rubber Soul was kind of, hey man, it's got soul. It's a lot of soul, a lot of soul, that music. It was a spoof on that, you know. It seemed nice and amusing, very us, you know, very wacky. Plastic soul, man, plastic soul. Beep, 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 yeah! Beep, 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 yeah! Beep, 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 yeah! Excellent. Excellent work. I wanted to hear a little bit of the uh, the French part of Michelle. I don't. Did we hear that part? Nice. I really do like French. I should try to learn it at some point. But listen, there's only so many hours in the day. What am I supposed to do? Well, I guess that's why we divide our lives up into separate timelines. In each timeline, we can do different things. Is that what we do? There's no proof that's what we do. Do what you want to do. Go where you're going to. Think for yourself and go back to PQ. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's beautiful. That's such a tribute, too. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you. That, that was, uh, yeah, we're, we're all having a good time with the Beatles. And next week, next week, my dear friends, uh, well, for, before next week, uh, I do, we have, uh, and it has come in, and uh, I am going to, uh, there will be a Rubber Soul Part Two, um, I received a uh, something by Spider Robinson, and uh, yes, I always offer to read uh, anything that you have created. If you're Mike shy or don't want to read it and want me to, and indeed, I have uh, this is quite a text to share with you and i'm at this point on this night i need to get this out and i want to give spider this full and proper reading where i am functional so here's how that's going to work uh sometime over the weekend there will be Rubber Soul Part 2. And if you're catching up with this right away, uh, I might even slip out some emails to people. Uh, if you got a little time and you just want to do a little something about the Beatles, Rubber Soul, what have you, uh, there's going to be a Part 2 this week. And uh, just keep listening. I will give the address. And as far as next week, of course, um, probably my favorite Beatle album, Revolver. Oh, man. Uh, a lot of sentimental attachment, and there are some just fabulous, great songs. Um, perhaps the greatest concentration of uh, songs I like out of all the Beatle albums, but uh, in our review next week, I will figure that out right here. So uh, another reason to tune in and uh, listen up when we do another. Uh, and there is nothing like the Overnight Scape Central. Um, 
everybody gets to have their say. And uh, the email address, uh, well, let's let's do the dates. The uh, deadline for next week's show is somewhere around, what, March 8th, 9th, maybe even bleeding into the 10th. I am hoping to get the show done in that span. And of course, like, this week. If there's stuff for a second part, I'm not averse, and uh, I'm more than happy to uh, get all I can get about the Beatles into these shows, because I think this is, at this time, an important documentation and record of this uh, band that it means so much to me. I, I can't. I mean, obviously, we got a few people here who are digging, and uh, it, 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 you can't please everyone. The email address for your contributions is always kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And I repeat, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, that slams a lid on uh, this uh, the Beatles Rubber Soul Part 1. And uh, I'm, I've been doing a, a new show, by the way, which I haven't plugged here. I am the, taking a look at the 1911 Major League Baseball season, literally on a day-to-day, out-of-the-newspaper uh, basis. And yeah, it, it's way out there. It's wacky. It's obscurist. And uh, that means it's right up the PQ River Alley. Um, and uh, yep, that, that if you're just running short on uh, hearing me drivel on about the obscure, it, it's a whole new way to do it. And with that in mind, uh, I'm going to let us all go and uh, remind everyone, set the controls for the heart of the fun.